Hello and welcome to The Ruck. I'm Owen Slot, and you join us following a fascinating weekend of rugby. Fiji won the Hong Kong Sevens. Exeter all but secured a home semi-final. Saracens, safely out of that hell of Europe, got back to winning ways. Men and women, that is, both smashing their opposition. But we on The Ruck see a world beyond the winners and trophies in this episode. We launch a search for something rarely seen in the game this year, this season even. The soul of Harlequins. Vanished, departed, disperu, like a truant schoolboy it lies in hiding somewhere. Quinns have been flat out poor, but home humiliation by London Irish on Sasso was the final confirmation. Any listeners in the Twickham area? If you've seen the lost soul of Harlequins, please email us on the ruck. Tom, do you know where it has gone? I think it's somewhere inside their new stadium. Uh, they seem to be focused on the wrong things at the moment, seem to be completely void of ideas, uh, low in confidence, and something clearly needs to change. Thank you. That was Tom Hamilton, towering sports writer of ESPN. Tom is now such an all-rounder. He'll cover the Winter Olympics one week, Anthony Joshua the next. But the opportunity to see his beloved Bath being flattened by Leicester always draws him back. Jonesy, also known as Stephen Jones of the Sunday Times, is also with us as ever. Jonesy, all well? Yeah, very good, Slotty. Welcome back, mate. It's nice to see you. <laughs> um, Jones, you're at Twickenham on uh, Saturday. Uh, if ten out of ten is the uh, is the ultimate of crises, uh, where where how high are Bath creeping up on that rating at the moment? Uh, fairly disastrous for Bath Owen. I think the minimum for them was uh, was top four. They're nothing remotely near that. I know they've had bad luck with with props. I think there's six injured, and that really takes a toll. But they look a little bewildered, a little unhappy. They don't look together to, to me. Uh, they make bizarre sightings, and then they make bizarre ejections, premature ejections in the case of Matt Banahan. And uh, it looks completely wrong to me, I'm sorry to say. Thank you, Steve, um, for that positive note. Uh, and uh, with a whooping and a hollering, we have a new guest to introduce today. Chris Jones of The Standard, one of our most senior and respected citizens. You're right with that, Chris? Uh, I'll take that. OK. And um, uh, tell our listeners, how long have you been a rugby writer? Uh, well, I reported from my push chair uh, some years ago. That I'm now in my 38th year of uh, covering rugby, so I think I do get some kind of award for that. Great to have you here. In 38 years, best player you've seen? Uh, Michael Jones of New Zealand. Very good. S- close behind Richard Hill. Like Richard, not the scrum half from Bath, Thank although he's uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's the other one. No one ever noticed. Jack, there's no need to be highly controversial in your first appearance. <laughs> Um, I thought I'd get a Kiwi in there because I know you have this deep love of anything to do with New Zealand. So I thought I'd throw that in there. We're only in the the third minute of this podcast. We don't need any of that. Um, uh, Chris, where were you at the weekend? Uh, I was at Worcester having my uh, eardrums burst uh, by their vociferous fans, uh, particularly the one who sits right in front of the press box, uh, to see them discover a player, which I know Steve will know all about. Uh, he's, uh, he's obviously one of our cousins, Dorian Jones, who joined from the Dragons and transformed Worcester in the second half against Newcastle. And uh, they were thoroughly deserved winners, but without him on the pitch, they were a bit rudderless. So, uh, well done, Dragons. You've lost another good one. Dorian Jones, good spot. Um, uh, moments of brilliant shafts of sunlight we want to uh, shine on, on the weekend. Uh, Tom, Jonesy? Uh, from Twickenham, from a Bath point of view, very few. Uh, Calamaphoni was probably the standout player there. There was also this clip doing the rounds on social media of Nolly Waterman putting in the most astonishing try-saving tackle you've ever seen. I Have saw you, that, yeah. It was remarkable. A player straight away clearly uh, going to score under the post and out of nowhere came uh, Nolly Waterman to tackle it. It was quite something. Daniel 
uh, Waterman is a kind of Queen Midas of, of rugby. Everything she touches turns to gold. That 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 tackle back uh, try, uh, the tackle back she made was sensational because it looked originally like she was just going to run back for the conversion. The tackle was sensational. Next day, according to social media, she went to uh, her one of her old clubs and there were four hundred girls there to to play rugby. That's, do you know what? Some of these girls don't get the publicity. That is a 24-carat superstar, Daniel Waterman, and there, there are others too. But slightly before you ask, my del- most delightful moments. I went to actually the Chiefs last week to interview Johnny Hill, who was, who was a lovely lad. Yesterday I watched him, as did you. You you were there, you wrote a nice big report. In the world of, of bashing, bashing, bashing up front, it's always lovely when someone does something that's delightfully skillful. And I thought Jack Noel yesterday was absolutely wonderful. He's clever. He's a talisman. They use him properly. And I just think Jack Noel is something really special. He's a treat when he comes back, isn't he? He was on the bench because he's come back from injury, brought on after 15 minutes, uh, much earlier than they would have wanted and didn't take him any time at all. Um, Eddie Jones was saying to the Six Nations that he sees him potentially outside centre, almost like England's Comrade Smith was a comparison. Uh, thoughts around that? Do you reckon he could... I, I, I can see that they want to get him involved in the game, but I actually think that when you're outside centre, Tom, I think that you're then, that's your position, that's where you are. Whereas the way that Exeter use him, he comes in from all over the place, pops up everywhere, he even goes in for the forward drive now and again. I mean, I think sometimes when you've got a great player, you don't telegraph him. I think I think I'd, I'd leave him where he is. And actually, just one more point: the Exeter pack is absolutely amazingly young. That that pack could still be together, every one of them, in five years' time, and and that's frightening for the other teams. Yeah, they, and they just dispirited Gloucester within about a quarter of the game. Gloucester were just looking down at their shoes and thinking we ain't going anywhere here. I'd really love to think that Gloucester have really advanced on last year, but actually I've struggled to find out where they have advanced with respect to them. Just going on for the Exeter theme, I think you know England should be thinking of starting you know, maybe half the Exeter pack in South Africa. And talking about South Africa, I saw my highlights, uh, thanks to the powers of uh, online. I saw Dan uh, Dan Goggins try for Munster. If you haven't seen it, look for Rory Scannell's inside pass. It is a stunning try. And if England can go down to South Africa and produce stuff like that, as Munster did, then they'll have a great tour. But uh, it's not looking great at the moment. I don't know about you guys, but I am not very hopeful for England going to South Africa because they've got to leave behind a number of key guys. Otherwise... They will be dead in the legs heading into uh, World Cup year. Listen, we, we've been miserable about England for the last three months or so. Do we, we don't have to have another day of that. On, we're we're going to be miserable about some clubs instead. Okay, well, we'll do England misery in a minute. Right. Um, Jonesy, great Hong Kong sevens. Yes, it was. It Fiji was. won their fourth on the trot, beating Kenya in the final. But for many, Papua New Guinea were the team that turned heads. They they were superb. Um, I mean, I know I think we all probably uh, watched it, but um, Papua New Guinea are an amazingly fervent rugby nation and um, they've qualified for the World Cup of Sevens. And when you've got players like uh, Isaac Akila and Samuel Malamali, uh, it's just absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. A, a real big feature of the week going. Fantastic. Uh, Chris, any, any other um, Papua New Guinea players that particularly caught your eye? Not many roll off the tongue, a bit like some of their opponents. Uh, I would say that Kenya... Are the one team you should be worried about going to the Rugby World Cup? <laughs> just asking you about the Papua New Guinea players. Stick to the, look, stick to the can I just? I know. We didn't invite you on this podcast Steve, to change the Unlike subject. Steve, I'm not obsessed 
about Papua New Guinea. I'm more interested in the wonderful performance of the Kenyan Sevens team. <laughs> and uh, you know, you know, forget about the long distance running. These guys over short distances are absolutely fantastic. They've got a couple of finals. They are going to be really, really up for it when it comes to San Francisco in July when the Rugby World Cup Sevens well, is being staged. Very good. Ratamaluli of Papa, but obviously you obviously you weren't watching. You weren't watching. <laughs> well, right, Chris, you're supposed thank, to do your research. Before thank you for that. Here. Actually, is anyone anyone in this podcast due to attend the uh, World Cup of Sevens in San Francisco in July? Because we're all available. Well, I'd I'd love to. I mean, that's quite a trip. It's in the I'd Bay Area as well, so it's not just San Francisco. So you can get in touch with your sort of lighter side and also enjoy the fantastic panoramic sights of the bridge. If um. If World Rugby wanted to sponsor a podcast out there, then we we would probably we could probably manage. It's a shame where you know everything clashes. I always say that to re- listeners, readers, or, or every meet people, if you only ever do one thing, go to Hong Kong Sevens, and and I'd say that about the World Sevens as well. well that's two things in Italy, but um, it, it, it's a shame that we never have a great Sevens tournament over here. But I I don't think that our authorities are really like really like Sevens, so it, it's a shame. It'll it'll always be abroad. But as you say, we are available. <laughs> okay, right. Um, let's re- return to uh, this, the the subject at the heart of today's podcast, the um, malaise, if that's the right word, at the heart of some of England's clubs. Three leading English clubs uh, have really struggled this season. Quinns, Bath and Saints. Oh, let me hit you with this, the stats. Since the turn of the year, Bath are three wins and four defeats. Northampton are two wins and six defeats. It's all in the Premiership. And Quinns are one win and six defeats. You know, those last two, Northampton and, and Quinns, have been absolutely dreadful. Uh, I've seen quite a bit of Northampton. Their only performance of any shape or form was the one over Claremont. But the rest of the Premiership has been dreadful. They they played OK up at Newcastle, at St James's Park, uh, because they had Myler back at 10. And you know what? He actually gave them a little bit of shape. They actually knew what they were doing. But I don't think they've got any idea what they want to do with P.F. Francis, nor Harry Malander. They are a shambles behind the pack. The pack is no longer going to scare you. you know, they covered over the cracks by giving Pickamol's a huge load of money and made him fit, and then he went back to France. But that papered over the cracks. So, so just go across the panel. If you were a player at one of those clubs, or if you could get out of one of those clubs, which one would you want to leave the quickest, or which, which has the greatest problem? I'll be out of Northampton myself. You'd leave Northampton... I actually think Northampton are probably best placed out of the three. Um, looking towards next season, with Boyd and uh, Boyd coming in and bigger the recruitment there seems to be perhaps on track pathwise. Um, so, so, so what you're saying is Saints have, have started to deal with the problem. I think so. I think they Chris, haven't solved it yet, but they've st- they've addressed it. Yeah, Chris Boyd's already having a role there. Um, he's visited once and he's visiting again at the end of the month. Um, he, he has to make sure he realised how bad it was the first yeah. time. But they got, they're already looking to they've got Sam Vesti coming in, who's a very promising attack coach. I think he's, yeah, he's widely regarded as being yeah, highly rated, someone who's clearly thinking ahead. They got rid of the sort of the last remnants, really, of the Malander reign with Dorian West. I'm not sure what's happened to Alan Dickens if he's staying, but they're certainly looking ahead. Um, the recruitment's going right. Dan Bigger, strong. Uh, they brought in Ben Franks as well. Mm. And then Chris Boyd's very highly regarded. Uh, they were without a number of first-team players at the weekend, but something's definitely not been right there all season. And I, think, I think the same goes for Bath as well. Bath against Leicester. Bath looked completely void of ideas, had no semblance of a game plan. Exits were non-existent. Set-piece crumbled. And their recruitment's been scattergun all season. They seem to have no coherent thoughts or long-term plans there whatsoever. And 
it's all very well and good being able to put on an occasion like the Clash, which was a great occasion, great fun to be there. But equally, if you've got an unsuccessful team, then that should really be your priority. Jonesy, who do you think is, is has the biggest problems at the moment? Um, that's a very good question. I, I think that, um, you know, it's very. I mean, Bath and Northampton are, they just need a new direction, massive new direction. We're, we're, you know, and it depends who the... Who the who, the direction comes in from but I think Harlequins probably because they seem to be slipping down they don't seem to have correctly rebuilt the team I mean the time when it was Brown Care Easter uh, something worked but I think since that split up it, it's not working at all and some of the signings are odd um, and you know if John Kings has really got to crack the whip or he must know that um, you know he's got to get results he must get results they cannot finish like they're going at the moment I think that probably Northampton have the base there. They have the fans have a great ground. They made a profit 15 years in succession, etc. Uh, finally, I'd say that, that they've been a victim a little bit of England's awful selection. To bring over free, Piers Francis sight unseen was ludicrous. And um, for him to be in, this, in the England squad ahead of Danny Cipriani, frankly, I found insulting. Also, Paul Hill, they England tried him for ages and now he's not even starting for Northampton. So that doesn't help. But um, three great clubs, three great followings, and really we need them all to revive. Yeah, we sort of get to the the, the question which uh, dogged a bit of the early, early part of the season, which is if you're a club in, in trouble, uh, how do you address it? Or, or at what stage do you, do you get to the ultimate point and, and have to sack your coach, which is not tr- the traditional rugby way. Rugby tends to uh, switch and change up at the end of season if necessary. It's more of a football thing. But it's as we've seen in the last uh, three or four seasons, it crept far more into rugby. One of the people I, I think I admire slightly for the, the way he addressed it is is Mark Darbin, the new chief executive of Northampton. He comes in and he starts the start of this season. He's presented immediately with a crisis and he could sit there and do nothing. But actually, with by Christmas, he'd sacked his coach. And by the end of January, I think he'd found a very able replacement uh, for next season. So then you can look at these at the other clubs. So... Uh, are they correct to be sitting on their hands waiting to, for the people they've backed to, to come good or should they be reaching for the trigger? I mean, I think Quinns are, are at that point. But The rugby answer to Sam Allardyce is to go to New Zealand and get a coach, isn't it? That's yeah. So Bath did that. They got a blackadder. We're still waiting for the cunning plan because it ain't working under the current owner, is it? He's, he's not very happy and Bath not playing the way they should be playing. And as Steve said, let someone like Matt Banahan go. You're letting people who are at the core of the club, who understand what the club should be about, and can get it back to that position. If you're going to get rid of them, then OK, replace it with something equally as important to the fans as well as the squad. I and they're not doing that. On Matt Banahan, I thought, I think l- letting what Banahan go, he is the man that the club is all about. You know, he's, he's the long, long lifer. He's been there. He still contributes so much. And when you let people like that go, then you really are losing your core. Or, or when people are saying at Bath and high, people high up, you know, are saying that they've lost the link. You know, you've always got to have the link with the old people, even if it's at Northampton with Piggy Powell's groundsman or whatever. You've got to have the link with your own culture. Now, that may, maybe comes from the coach. If, you, if the coach is not from your own culture, you've got to find someone who is. You can can just divorce yourself from all the great things that put you where you were. And incidentally, as far as the, you know, the media, often we're responsible for driving this thing about he's got to go, he's got to go. <laughs> There's this very funny um, 
ad for uh, one of the online betting companies on TV where you see this football coach blathering at his team and suddenly he falls through a trapdoor and another person pops up during the game sort of thing, which just sends it up. So the only thing is uh, you've got to be careful what you wish for. I, I understand what you're saying about the chief executive, but actually Jim Mallinder, has anyone who's come in since been any better? Alan Gaffney, certainly not. So sometimes, um, you know, you've le- you learn where you went wrong and you deserve a chance to put it right. So it's a very, very difficult question. I think the dynamic at, at Harlequins is very, very different. And they've created this situation where Nick Evans, Nick Easter, Adam Jones, you know, have just gone you know, straight from the, the changing room into the coach's room, which is always very difficult to do. And you know, they don't, I think they could do with someone coming in under... Kingston to take over the actual running of the club day to day as in the coaching let JK go and do all the contracts and things. Kingston came up through the club as well or had been there for ages so so your point is where where are new ideas going to come from if you're just... I don't think they've got a head coach at the moment who can either Tell the three recent guys, okay, Roundtree's there doing the forwards. Um, Graham is never going to be a leader, is he? He's, he's not a number one. So you need a number one. I don't think JK at the moment can give the answers they need or bring in that freshness, which is desperately needed, just to sort of galvanise everybody. I think at Bath, the problem there also is they've only got sort of... I mean, when um, Tabai Matson left at the start of the season, they brought Stuart Hooper into the coaching team. You've got four coaches there. You haven't got an attack coach, which was clearly evident on Saturday, the last performance. Um, they need some fresh ideas there, whether it's a new attack coach, whether Todd perhaps gets fed up and decides to go back to New Zealand. We'll wait and see. But it's uh, Bath certainly needs to have some sort of new new thought there. Do they I have, a, do they have a, an attack coach lined up, do you know? Not that I'm aware at the moment. I think they, they were looking at someone earlier in the season, which didn't happen, but... It was a case that they wanted to settle with what they had with um, Darren Edwards, Toby Booth and Blackadder. Mm. And then Hooper was brought in, I think, I guess, unless Stuart has a previous life as a, a winger or an inside centre, then he was, he'll be working on line-outs. So they certainly need some new um, some new thoughts. There. Bath have, the, have an infamously impatient chief executive, uh, owner rather, in um, in Bruce Craig, who's... It, when he's when he's not happy, he, he's he'll switch it up quicker than anyone else, so history would tell us. Uh, but he's, at some point... Bruce has got to address the situation that he's created himself, as in replacing and replacing. So it's almost harder for him, because if he was now to replace the coach that he only put in place two years ago, then he has to look at himself in the mirror and ask what... Of course course he does, does. and, you know, this be fair, the the owners have saved professional rugby in England, club and international, because there was no plans for professional rugby. Bruce Craig, an unbelievably generous guy, but in, in every big club... We have to know who is the big man at this club. Exeter, there is no doubt, is Rob Baxter. But the way that his other two coaches are totally on the wavelength. I spoke to Rob Hunter and Ali Hefer last week, and after five minutes, they completely lost me because they were way above my knowledge of, of rugby. They were absolutely mesmeric. But Baxter is the number one uh, at Bath. Who is the number one there? Is it Bruce Craig, and is he calling the rugby shots? Is it low-profile Todd Blackadder? All the best clubs have one big, tough semi-bully with media nous and with with technical nous and forceful and then you know who's in charge and I think that Northampton and Bath and Harlequins we're not absolutely sure who is calling the shots. Blackadder's Tom would you uh, he's a phenomenally decent guy isn't he is is he is he too nice? I don't think so I think this season I think he used to work really well with Tabo Matson when they were there. They sort of did the good cop, bad cop sort of thing really well. And I think Todd's had to do both this season. Um, he has lost his rag a few times, seemingly. 
he's a he's a fine coach. He's coached some of the world's best players. But this the team on Saturday with so many injuries there. That's not the team which he'd want to pick for a game like that. I mean, you're you're without probably ten first team players there. You're losing Lions are injured. You've got other players. You've got Dave Atwood, who's been fantastic. He's on over at Toulon, yeah. <laughs> which is I mean that's enough for a whole podcast in itself. But it's he's exactly what they need at the moment. Atwood, it's given some stopping power, it's given some go forward the whole lot because they, the they simply have not got anyone to get over the game line as things stand. And Bath's best player, apart from the formidable Ben Obano, is probably Alan Brew at the weekend because he he was the only one carrying forward. But Obano was the mini superstar. It's the fifth anniversary of me exposing Dave Atwood's cause. He's been cruelly underdone, underused. I know he's had terrible injuries, but I, I still reckon he could win 50 caps. Do um do we think Atwood might tour with England? Uh, can he tour with England if he's with Toulon? Well, and they're, they're... exceptional circumstance. Rules still in place. No, but he's st- he's still a Bath player. He's only Toulon on, on loan. He will be at Bath next yeah. season. And the exceptional circumstance in all this is the fact that he's playing probably the form lock <laughs> of England. And that, that, that guarantees player. you nothing under Eddie because he's got his set views. But just watching him yesterday against Racing when Toulon threw away the chance to win, he was absolutely brilliant, including an interception. It's just unbelievable. The the average rate of gain of the English driving mall is about minus five yards per game. And it's about time they had a real lock in there. And I mean a real lock. Not someone who says, oh, great, he's he's made 56 tackles. Because in the modern era, tackles mean nothing. Tackle count means nothing because people run straight at you. It's a double tackle. And they they gave that tackle to two players. It's ridiculous. Tackle counts are easy. Being an international lock is difficult. And he's got the physique for it. And I think he's got the psyche for it. And it's scandalous that he had to go to France to prove it. But of all the tours you want to take someone like Atwood on, the trip to South Africa is exactly his sort of toys. Yeah. Because they're going to be waiting for England with, you know, with, a, with a couple of kitchen sinks to hit you with. And you need a guy who's going to take it and give it back. And, and the way he's going at the moment is fantastic. Isn't the reason that he went to Toulon, though, because um, Bath had got to the top of their salary cap and couldn't afford to keep him for the rest of the season? I mean, it strikes me as a poor decision that, that he would be the one you would lose, but he has been injured for a long time, so maybe they couldn't justifiably have faith that he would be able to deliver. Well, I hope that's true, because it means that, that uh, people are listening to, uh, adhering to the salary cap. So I hope that's a true story. So do I. So do you, because you've just yeah, written it. Yeah, well, I haven't written it yet, but it'd be, it'd be nice to think we deal in, in true stories on, on the ruck. But it is true. That's just another example of how messed up Bath are. How can you get yourself into that position? I mean, we all know, you know, OK, there are some strange calculators that work for, for English rugby's salary cap, but that, to lose a player like that just because you've got your sums wrong is absolutely scandalous. I'll just make a positive point about Bath. I think Obano is going to become a really good player. I thought he was stunning around the field on Saturday. His scrummaging appears to be improving. I would categorically place him ahead of Ellis Genge in terms of contention for England. OK, good. Let's move on to that. So amongst the highlights and strong players of the weekend were these uh, wannabe England looseheads. So, Jones, you mentioned Beno Urbano, who was outstanding. Ellis Genge got a, a lot of rave reviews from that same game. And uh, in the game I went to on Sunday, Alec Hepburn, the uh, the Chiefs uh, loosehead, was... Well, he was deservedly man of the match, uh, scored one try, created another, and very, very good in the scrum. Ahead of those two on the England pecking order, you've got Joe Marler and Maka Vunapola. Is this the point where that pecking order gets mixed up? Well, it, should, it should get mixed up purely by the fact that Mako needs about two months lying on a sun lounger somewhere 
doing nothing. We all did that. I know. It's just it, to ask him to go to South Africa when you've got, as you listed, all those loose head options. It'd be madness to take him. Give him a break, for goodness okay, sake. At, so least, at least they're taking time with Billy coming back rather than rushing Mako. him. If you rest Mako, then do I, any of the other three uh, start to nudge ahead of Joe Marler? I, I think with Marler, when he was coming through the ranks at Harlequins, he sometimes got the balance wrong between being that sort of abrasive, in-your-face character and a bit punchy, um, going over the line, which is what happened to Ellis Gench on Saturday when he was penalised by Wayne Barnes for um, a bit too much uh, frivolity after that winning a scrum penalty but I think we need to see a bit more of that bite back in Marla like the sort of get his strut back for one of a better way of saying it because he is a, he's a fine player he can be formidable he's the sort of person that you imagine propping against a tight head if Marla starts getting in your grill you're going to start getting frustrated by him and making silly mistakes so I think Marla we need to see that fire back in Marla um, but as things stand I think Hepburn's probably probably the outstanding loose head if if Macca doesn't start against South Africa, Jonesy, who would you have there? I think, I think if Macca doesn't go, I think they've got to they've got to take Marla. But do, do we actually know? I'm asking this as an innocent question: Is Eddie intended to take his his full team, or is he not? So do we is it do we actually officially know that? We actually officially know nothing that goes on in Eddie's head. We just guess at it a lot. Well, I think the if, inference is though, Steve, he, that they won't be going with all of them. He did say that it was possible that he would rest people, so he's opened up all, all possibilities. What you don't want to do is make the little losing streak into a longer streak. I mean, I think that if I was them, I'd take everybody and may, maybe give Mako the whole tour off and bring him back for the third Test match. But if Mako van Paul doesn't go, I think Joe Marler almost got to go in, term, for, in terms of experience. But I would absolutely love to see anyone of Abano, uh, either Abano, Abano or Hepburn get stuck in there and uh, and give it a go, throw them in. But with Mahler as a backup to come on and sort it out as Jason used to. What's um, not mentioning Gensler? I don't think he's as good as the other two. I really don't. And, um, uh, you know, you keep look at that, he's, he's clearly a fiery, etc. But I don't think he's as good as the other two. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Away from the uh, struggling three giants, there's a pretty interesting uh, battle for the playoffs going on higher up the table. Exeter and Saracens pretty much confirmed. Well, Exeter are confirmed semi-finalists. Saracens almost there. Then you have Leicester and Wasps on 56 points, Newcastle on 54, uh, Sale on 53 and Gloucester on 51. So that's five clubs separated by five points battling for two positions, three games a season to go. A very exciting uh, denouement to the uh, Premiership season. Uh, how do we see this one panning out? The four you got there will stay there, looking at their fixtures. You think Leicester and Moss will I think Leicester and Moss are still in there. Just looking at their fixtures, you know, Leicester have got uh, Northampton, Newcastle and Sale, where you'll you, be looking at the, the, the way they're going at the moment. Yeah, we're going to take that. Wasps, they're struggling with numbers just to get a first team out. They've got Worcester, Nor- Northampton and Newcastle. And you know, okay, Newcastle away, that could be the key one. But you know, wasps are, are so dangerous. I know it's the other thing. If you score, you know, three tries, we'll score four. And at some point, you know, the numbers might catch up with them. But I just, I think Newcastle. I saw them on 
Saturday, I think they've hit a bit of a wall. I think the players are feeling it, what they've done, which has been fantastic this season. They also have a, you know, a semi-final against Gloucester in the Challenge Cup to put up with. I think they might just be a, a gallop short of where they need to be. I don't know what the guys think. Well, I think you're right. I think Dean Richards was quoted as saying, look, the boys are tired. I think that um, it's going to be real difficult because Newcastle got to go away to Leicester, which is an eight-point game. And I don't think they can probably win there because I don't think they got the legs left. And if I were them, I'd concentrate on keeping in the top six, doing my best to get into the Challenge Cup final and resting on my laurels because they've been absolutely brilliant. I think Was had a horrendous uh, result with that late uh, try by Marlon Yard against Sale. I think that probably wrote off their chances of getting in a home tie. And uh, I think it's, 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 it's yeah, you're right, Owen. It's very exciting and great to see sales surging, come, coming up to the top. We desperately need them to do that. But I think now that Newcastle are going to be, one of, are going to be the team of that five to miss out. So Newcastle may be paying for their success in Europe then? I mean, they played the weekend before when uh, the other clubs were, were resting. Everyone plays this coming weekend, but then Newcastle and Gloucester have to go again in their semi-final. So. It's going to be interesting to see how they balance the squads. When you look at the sort of the, the injury toll, I mean, Wasps, they're sort of, was it, they're struggling in the pack, aren't they, for fitness? But then, even in the closing stages of the game against Sale, they managed to bring on with five minutes left, they brought on Simpson, Juan de Jong, and Guy Armitage, who, I mean, that's not not three not bad uh, for three that's replacements. Decent, isn't it? Yeah, you've got Juan de Jong, who's a Springbok, Simpson, who's got 800 Premiership appearances, and Guy Armitage, who's pretty handy. So, I think when you look at the balance of the squads, I think Sale. Sale are interestingly poised. They've got this guy, John O'Ross, who played against Wasps on Friday. was absolutely sensational. The back row got Tom and Ben Curry coming back. Ross Harrison's playing really, really well. Marlon Yard is playing well. They they might just be sort of peaking at the right sort of time. AJ McGinty as well, who's a, a busy fly half. He was playing really well. But Isn't their heartbeat that Faf de Klerk at nine? I mean, it, he seems to me to be one of the players of the Premiership this season, every game. He'll be the top nine in the Test Series. He'll yeah, well, be my, the Bok Nine in the series. Well, my, my, my spies in South Africa said that Fafta Clout will be the Bok Nine in the Test series. Well, they're yeah. talking about bringing them back. Good spies. Aren't they? They're bringing the European guys back for yeah. the tour, which is which would be amazing because that's, you've seen how many are in form and guys who come to Wasps and also Fafta Sale, they've just picked up their game. I thought Zwan was was a, was a busted flush when he came over, but he's, he's he's and Woolley at the back there has done has done really really well this season. You know, it's just yeah, there's been some great performances by the South Africans, also in in France as well, hasn't they've been really ripping it up. Will the French South Africans get back in time because their their season goes on to a week into June, doesn't it? There's enough of them, so they don't make the semis and finally yeah. the others will play. Yeah, they must be praying that Montpellier don't make the final. Um, that's right, because that's half, half their team there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, so uh, some some predictions. So Chris, you said you. You expect out of those five, Leicester and Moss to stay in the top four for yeah, the semi-finals. I don't, I don't see Newcastle and Sale getting up there, uh, just because one Sale. I don't think they've got the nous to get up. They, they they make too many mistakes, particularly away from home. And Newcastle, I just think that the legs are, just haven't got it, which is a great shame. They've been really, really good. Tom Jonesy, anyone care to uh, disagree? No, I don't disagree. I think uh, I think Exeter and Saracens will be in the final. That's that's t- go a few steps down the line. And uh, what a final that will be, because Saracens have obviously now got their players back and coming strong. But uh, it's been a great, it's been an excellent season. And uh, to have Newcastle uh, and Sale at um, fifth and sixth, if that, that's how it works, is brilliant. Brilliant for the league. Uh, and next season, we we know who's coming up next season. Bristol achieved a promotion from the Championship on uh, at the weekend, uh, beat uh, Nottingham. By a lot, they scored sixty odd points. Uh, is this is uh, what do we think of Bristol? They came up uh, season before last and went straight back down again. 
Uh, this time they spent a lot more money. Uh, obviously got a different uh, director of rugby and Pat Lamb. Um, the the uh, ins and outs are, are far more numerous. Um, and Steve Lansdowne, their owner, as I say, is, is invested a, a lot more in, in the uh, in the playing group. Is this a, a team now that can stay in the Premiership next season? Not yet, because I mean, look, the, the last time Bristol went up under Andy Robinson, we'll have to wait for the history books to be written because I've never worked out. They do have a very very generous and moneyed benefactor, and for some reason they left the team as it was, and they they struggled. And suddenly, when they're detached at the bottom, they suddenly desperately trying to bring players in to save them. Bristol are probably my favourite rugby club. They're, I think they're, at heart they're one of the biggest clubs in England. They're certainly, it's certainly one of the biggest rugby cities. They've got one of my all-time heroes, Pat Lamb, in charge. But they cannot do it without buying more players. We know they've got Charles Piatow. They've got John Afoa, who's, who's decent, but possibly no longer uh, anything more than a holding operation. And they need players in there, even though they've got a very good team. And it, it is kindergarten stuff to believe that you can just add two and then the rest is the 13 other ones that brought you up. We're sorry about that, but that's what it is. So let's, let's just go through. So they, as you say, you've got, they've got Piatow and Afoa coming in. They've got Lua Tua already there and Madigan already there, who are two international quality players or both have played a lot of uh, international rugby. I, I'm largely agreeing with you, Steve, because I was expecting more names to come in. I don't know if that's because salary cap, they're getting quite high already, because if you are a new club coming up, then you have to play over the odds to get players to join you. That's that's the way it goes. So it's recruitment's hard in that respect. Uh who else have they got coming in? They've got uh, Harry Thacker, uh, a hooker who can't get a game for Leicester. Um, they got the they've got the scrum half Sturzacker from uh, uh, Scherzinger. Yeah. Yeah. Jan Thomas from Gloucester. I mean, these are not guys who are going to, you know, bums on seats are not going to be. Steve Maffey's meant to be mentioned from Castio. But you, do you know what? As Dave Denton was saying on, on the weekend here, you know, this. They played London Irish a couple of weeks ago. He said that was such a hard game. He said there is nothing in this premiership which, which can be called an easy game. If Bristol come up with the squad they've got at the moment, even with Charles Piotr, who we know can change matches, they're not going to be above bottom place at this rate. They need some serious, serious money spent on very good players because this premiership is unforgiving. I think it's power in the pack that they might end up short on their, their, their locks. One of the new players is Muldoney from Connaught, uh, who I, I understand is very highly rated. Can't say I've seen a ton of him, but... Uh, it, you still got Haskell on the market. You still got Haskell on the you market. You engaged Haskell. Are we announcing that on the rut? No, no. I think you'll find that in Hello. But if you want to announce it on the on the here as well, I'm sure well, you we know. do have a court and social section. Well, here it's a social, we yeah. start Chloe and Chloe and James. We were in Paris together mm. and um, walking down the street, and the the romantic Haskell knelt down on the pavement, which is slightly odd. The future Mrs. Haskell said, but then he produced a a lovely ring. Which he didn't drop. Which he didn't drop, yeah. And um, <laughs> and then she, uh, she accepted. Thank God it would have been a bit yeah, embarrassing. Yeah. If she a bit of a downer, wouldn't it? it would have been a bit the downer. rest of the holiday he, he would have to go quickly. on the ring. Is that, is, that, is that a true story? It's a true story. Well, well, I mean, because we deal in true stories here, it's as we've already discussed. Another true story. How true can it get? I was there. He took my advice. I said, you've got to get Did he ring. ask you to be there as a witness? Yeah, I was a witness. I was on the street in the, in the, in the restaurant. And... Um, it, it was. I have to say, it was very, very moving. Honestly, it was very moving. He, I, I had to. I had to loan him twenty three thousand pounds to buy the ring, but it was very moving. And and then they went on to uh, England. Went on to lose to France, or was it? Is it after? The... No, that was uh, no. It was out. No, it was recently. 
It was recently. It was very very recently. recent. And actually, I hope the lad, I think he's a great lad, a great player. I hope he gets a club and hope he and, and uh, Chloe have a long and happy life together because oh, he's a really good lad. Uh, yeah. Well, well, the way things are going, though, Steve, the way things are going, Chloe's got more chance of being signed by uh, one of the premiership clubs at the moment, isn't well, he? I tell you what, he's, he, he, uh, if I was Bristol, I'd have him, and if I was, if I was, and, and maybe make him captain, I'd make him captain in Northampton, and I'd make him captain in Bath. So there's the three. To, can, can we just go back to the romance side? Rod, Todd, you love that story, don't you? Come on, we don't talk about love enough on the ruck. No, anyone what in a new relationship at the moment should be li- listening to this, these stories. Yeah, anyone in a new relationship, um, that's not you, Chris. No. So it's, it's about timing, really, Tom. It's not me. Yeah, how you take this forward. <laughs> yeah? well, seriously, seriously. Well, I, I'm, I'm feeling th- thoroughly uh, moved to tears. Uh, uh, just moving on to... Hask. <laughs> well, Haskell, you know, Haskell, Gloucester have been the latest team to say we don't, we, we're not going to sign him. And, and well, Ackerman... That must have been a great relief to him. <laughs> and Ackerman made the point that the reason is we're hanging on till we can talk to all these um, super rugby players. He also uh, said, and also my son's in that position. Yeah, which, yeah. Is, what, which is, is what slight Tom drawback probably said as well. <laughs> slight drawback for that, but uh, it is remarkable that, that Task, who can offer an awful lot to a club, has not been snapped up already. I just don't understand it. Come on, so do we want Bristol to sign him up then? They, we, we, they Bristol is Jonesy's favourite club. They could club. do a lot worse than getting someone like Haskell, who will make it very clear to those guys coming here who haven't played in the Premiership before exactly what is going to be required. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some of the people we've just named who are going to Bristol are finishers or people who come on for the last ten minutes. Hask can come on, go on for the first fifty minutes and have a massive influence because of all of his experience. On that note, I would like to say thank you very much for listening. This is the uh, end of the ruck. We're looking for the soul of Harlequins. We are looking for a club for Haskell. And we are looking forward next weekend to the second leg of the semi-finals of the Women's Tyrrells Premier. Harlequins uh, knows they had a wasps in the first leg over the weekend. And Saracens very, very convincing against Gloucester Hartbury. We haven't talked about that much because we're going to do uh, an entire uh, ruck special on the women's game next week. Two editions next week, your regular one and a women's rugby special. Please join us then. Thank you very much.